Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Today, we are going to continue our series on the church, Trademark. Today is actually uh, week five in a six-week series that we're covering today. And, you know, just during worship and, and, and during the time that we are preparing and even all this week, everything always flows when we're walking with God. Amen? He puts one foot in front of the other before us. He prepares the way is what the Word says. And today, I'm just so blessed because, you know, the message that I have today is a message of liberty. It's a message that God was just telling me beforehand, it's going to relieve some burdens today. Amen? Because the burdens that we carry often are done in ignorance. They're done in a way where we just don't understand why we have them. But God today, through the message of the gospel, I think is going to really lift some burdens off of people because the truth set, sets people free. Amen? Amen. So let's just go ahead and start with prayer and we'll get rolling. Amen? And oh, and by the way, if you don't know who I am, my name is Chris Brown. Uh, just one of the leaders here at the church. And uh, welcome to Life in the Sun. Father, we come before you today and we thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you that your word has already gone forth and we know that your word is not going to return back to us void. That, Father, there is truth that brings fruit. And, Father, I pray for that fruit to grow abundantly today. Lord, I pray that I get out of the way and I pray that your message is yours and yours alone, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so church trademark. This is a series on trademarks that the church has been known for. These are a foundation, if you will, that the church carries as its main message. So we've gone through several. The, uh, you know, walking by the Spirit and prayer. And these, these things are foundational to our walk. And today I'm going to be covering the message. So what is the Christian message? What is the message of the church? The message of the church is simple. It's the gospel. It's the gospel for everyone. But the gospel also is very specific. And we are marked by a gospel that brings life. Amen? I said in my preparatory that today God is going to relieve some burden, right? See, when we're carrying burden or burdens, we're not walking in life. We're walking under a burden. We've got a heavy load. And we know that the message of the gospel strictly states that Jesus came to relieve us of our burden. He came to take the sin of the world. He came to take our sin and he came, as we already heard this morning, to give us 
new life, the exchanged life. There is an actual exchange. There needs to be an actual exchange. Our life to His. There needs to be a release and a surrender. So, the scripture today is actually out of Acts 15, and just to give you a little background, a little history of how we ended up here, um, the council at Jerusalem was meeting simply because there were Jews that were believers, but they were going behind Peter and Paul and the apostles everywhere they taught, and they were asking those Gentile converts actually telling them that they needed to be circumcised and they needed also to follow the entire law of Moses. And we'll kind of get into the, this is going to be the letter that they sent out, but I just want to give you some background. And for those out there that, you know, men, I mean, think about this. You just got saved. Paul came through or Peter came through and he gave the gospel and then somebody comes along and says, bro, you need to be circumcised. I don't know how many men out there would volunteer and get in line for this, but I'm not one of them. Okay? Yes. You know, do it on the eighth day when I'm a baby and I don't know what's going on, right? That's when God designed it. But, you know, not when I'm 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. You know, it's like, no, just you know, stay away. Okay? That's a pretty heavy burden. Amen? So let's get into the scripture. So this is Acts 15, starting at verse 22. Then the apostles and elders, together with the whole church in Jerusalem, chose delegates, and they sent them to Antioch of Syria with Paul and Barnabas to report on this decision. The men, were cho um, the men chosen were two of the church leaders, Judas, also called Barsabbas, and Silas. This is a letter that they took with them. This is a letter from the apostles and elders, your brothers in Jerusalem. It is written to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. We understand that some men here, that some men from here have traveled to you and upset you with their teaching. And just to give you an understanding of the original Greek word upset, it means to really be troubled. Desperate even. Even this, this stirring up of you know, there is something really wrong. It's like, here we get this freedom message coming, and all of a sudden now, it's like, wait a minute. Now the good news isn't so good anymore. But we did not send them. So we decided, having come to complete agreement, to send you official representatives along with our beloved Bar Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are sending Judas and Silas to confirm that we have decided what we have decided concerning your question. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. Now before I read these requirements, there needs to be a disclaimer here. These requirements are not requirements for salvation. They're requirements at the time for unity. Because they're being brought into a Jewish custom. They're being brought into uh, 
union with other Jewish believers. So there was this conflict between the two. So this was God's way of bringing peace. Okay? So it says, you must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood, or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. That's what was required for them to have unity with the Jewish believers. That's what they were asking of them. It was a sacrifice. This, again, this is not something that is required for salvation, okay? So the messengers went at once to, oh, I'm sorry, if you do this, you will do well, farewell. The messengers went at once to Antioch where they called a general meeting of the believers and delivered the letter. And there was great joy throughout the church that day as they read this encouraging message. At least the men were really rejoicing. Amen? <laughs> then Judas and Silas, both being prophets, spoke at length to the believers, encouraging and strengthening their faith. And our, next, uh, our last uh, root scripture verse is out of Acts 16. It says, And then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow this, the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened, and their faith grew larger every day. Amen. So I have a little story to tell you. Uh, I know, I think it was last year we, uh, you know, I had a picture of our, our latest uh, addition to the family, our puppy. Uh, and, you know, I don't know, it just God, I guess, you know, gives us life lessons through animals. I don't know. But we got a new puppy, okay? The other puppy got adopted by uh, my wife's brother, my brother-in-law, and she is actually now in Saipan because uh, he completely fell in love with her and had to have her. So uh, we went out, I think it was just uh, about a month ago, and we bought a new puppy. And it's a little Labrador. It's uh, a yellow lab, so it, the cutest little thing got the saddest face, you know, just... I mean, in this little thing, it could be chewing up your favorite item, but you'd just be like, oh, it's okay, you know, right? Because those eyes, they just look at you, and it's like, I'm so sad. You're taking away this thing that I love so much. But, you know, I've got this joke in the house. It's, it's called open mouth, insert world, right? So this, this little puppy wants to chew on everything. I mean, it picks up everything around the house and to choose on it. And I guess, you know, reading the articles and all this stuff, it is completely normal because that's how they get to know their world is through their mouth. And I'm thinking, how do dogs survive, right? <laughs> I mean, they should be dying off left and right because of the things that they put in their mouth. So that actually brings me to the point of this story is that uh, we have these palm trees that line the sides of our house. And I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're not the actual betel nut tree, but they're the other version or whatever, and they have these red nuts on them. And so they're dropping all over the yard, and we don't really think anything of it. And so uh, our puppy would go and pick one up from time to time, and we'd, you know, grab it and shake it out of its mouth and say no and, and all this stuff. Uh, but all of a sudden, our puppy began throwing up. And it started happening more than once. And every time it would throw up, it would throw up one of these nuts. 
right? So we're like, man, this isn't good. And then so one, one night, it actually got pretty bad that, uh, you know, he threw up and threw up and threw up. And uh, then he wasn't eating. He wasn't drinking. And so we're, you know, Google doctor, you know, Google vet. We're like trying to figure out how to, how to fix this, this, this problem. And so, it's, you know, Cindy found that, uh, you know, if you, because he wasn't drinking. That was our first issue. We're like, man, we don't want this dog getting dehydrated. And also, we don't want to have to take it into the vet, get an IV and all that stuff. So uh, Cindy found on the Internet that you could actually take a little bit of, uh, uh, like, chicken soup and just add a little bit to water, and they'll drink it. And sure enough, man, we put a little bit of chicken soup in, into a bowl and filled the rest with just plain water, and he was just lapping it up. Going to town, right? So, okay, we got by that one. And then we, we kind of noticed that all of a sudden, he's going out to pee, like, every 10 minutes. I mean, we're like, what is going on? So we're looking on the internet again. What is this? And it's like, oh, bladder infection. I'm like, oh, gosh. Okay, Lord, please help us out here. So somehow the nut caused the bladder infection. And so we're looking, I'm like, what are we going to do? And so we found that if you feed them cranberry. So we, we got, we're like, we got cranberry in the pantry somewhere. So we went, dug the cranberry out, opened it up, and gave him a couple of spoonfuls, and he's eating it up. And we're like, okay, okay. So, you know, the good news is today he's feeling better. Things seem to be getting back to normal, and we've been adding cranberry to his food and stuff, so that's good. But how does this, Chris, tie in to the message? And as Jerry would say, thank you for asking. <laughs> the reality is, is I could put up a book of laws for my puppy. One of those laws could simply be, do not eat the red nut in the front yard, right? But when you see the puppy, it's like, I got to have it. I got to have it. Where's that nut? And he's sniffing around the yard looking for it. And I literally had to go out there and clean all of those nuts up. I had to get them off of the trees. And now I got to keep vigilant. You know, I got to make sure that when they're starting to sprout, on the tree, I go out there and cut them down so that, you know, this does not ever happen again. I'm protecting that puppy. But now I want to kind of give you a context. Is these laws that God has for us, even though some of them may seem ridiculous, they're protective. Van shared a powerful testimony this morning about God's protection when we obey. I shared about obedience a few weeks back on the blessings of obedience. Church, this is the center of the gospel. So let's see what God has to say about this dilemma, right? Because we have this amazing gospel that says if you believe, you will be saved. But we also have the law that has all these requirements and some of these things are really like bizarre, you know? And, you know, like, uh, you know, if you got to offer a dove, or you have to do the... So there's all these old things that go way back into the Old Testament. And some of the tendency is, well, we shake off some of the, the law, and, but some of the law over here is still required. You know, honor your mother and your father, and, 
you know, all this stuff. So how does this work? What is this dilemma that we truly have? The dilemma is simply the wrong message is often given. We end up in a situation where we don't know what the true gospel is. We find ourselves being tied to something that is causing us distress that is not distress from God. See, the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of our sin, not condemn us. There is a purpose to us being stirred up. So, so if we have the wrong message, we end up having the wrong mission. The, those Judaizers that were going behind Paul and Peter and the apostles, their mission was to correct something that they thought was wrong. They were going behind them and saying, okay, faith is not enough. You need to do this, 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 and this. They were adding to the gospel. That's why Paul had to go back to Jerusalem and settle this because he was like, no. And then you have your set of scriptures where Paul gives his reasons and saying, we cannot lay any additional burden on these Gentiles. We've already gone out and preached the gospel to them, the, the gospel of freedom, the gospel that, that says they're saved by simply believing in Jesus Christ and having a change in their heart. That's salvation. The law has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean it's irrelevant. It doesn't mean it's thrown out. It's fulfilled. So what does fulfillment mean for us? It means that we've been set free. But free to what? We've been set free for blessing. We've been set free to be protected. We've been set free to know Christ. And knowing Christ is us getting set free. So this is what they were responding to. It said in Acts 15, 1 and 5, it says, Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. But there is also another false gospel, if you will. That one's obvious. Right? But we also have false gospels today that aren't so obvious. These false gospels say that we're saved, but you know, works aren't that important. Or it, the gospel is inclusive of everyone, no matter what their religion, no matter what their creed, no matter what their actual belief is, all are covered. That's universalism. We also have other false gospels that, you know, it, it's... Where do you put your focus? Is it on a person? To where now a person is the one leading the church and whatever they say becomes gospel, right? That's where we get that statement. Whatever you say is gospel. Whatever that person is saying is gospel. So today's message, again, is to relieve us of these burdens of carrying these false gospels and thinking that we are obligated to walk in them. Jesus is here to set us free. He's setting us free so that we can enjoy the salvation that he has given to each one of us. So in relation to some of these other false gospels, 
The focus, if you notice, is going to be around righteousness. Okay? So this is actually out of Jeremiah 23, 21, and 22. I did not send these prophets, but they ran. I did not speak to them, but they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have announced my words to my people and would have turned them back from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. Matthew 7.23 says, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's the other false gospel, is that we can practice lawlessness and still be considered saved. So there is nothing we can do to add to our salvation, as the previous verse was stating, that they wanted to add these burdens to the to the new converts. But now, today, it's like almost the polar opposite. They want to relieve us of these things and just say, it's okay. As long as you believe, you're okay. But we're going to find today that through the Scriptures, that's not God's heart. God's heart is for us to understand the truth, and that truth will set us free. So why do people fall for false gospels? Oftentimes, we end up simply loving something more than we love God. And that, in turn, will open us up to deception. Through selfishness, pride, fear, guilt, shame, need for acceptance and approval of others, we'll do it. We'll do what we think is necessary to please them. So the mission focus is wrong. It's either going to go towards legalism or it's going to go towards lawlessness. It's like the road of the gospel is a centered street, and there's a ditch on either side. One ditch is, is legalism, and the other ditch is lawlessness. Legalism says that, you know, you have, to, you know, you have to be perfect to get to heaven. You have to not just show works, but you've got to do this. This is required for you to go to heaven. On the other side is lawlessness. It says it doesn't matter what you do. As long as you have faith, you're going to make it to heaven. So what do we need? We need the right message. Because with the right message, we get the right mission. And we also have the right outcome. See, without the right message, the outcome is going to be wrong. The outcome is going to be, they're going to get to heaven one day, and they're going to hear that statement from Jesus that says, depart from me, I never knew you, you practice lawlessness. And as ministers of the gospel, we that stand up here are obligated to give you the truth. We are held accountable for what God has stated in His Word. And we want to give you the truth that is unadulterated and that is pure in its essence and in its idealism. Because God is, this is this is the message of the church. This is the trademark. This is the gospel. This is what sets us free. And this is what allows us to follow God with our whole heart, knowing exactly what He did for us. Our walk in Him is a response to His abundant grace, which is what we're going to find out. What is His abundant grace? How should we respond to abundant grace? With thankfulness, gratitude, Obedience, love. 
But the problem is, is with the law, we could have a list of rules that we could follow, and we don't need a relationship with God. The struggle we have with the, the real gospel is that it requires a real relationship with God. We need to be close to Him, and we need to have that relationship. So whenever we run into trouble, we got to run to Him. So we believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, my brethren, you also were made dead to the law through the body of Christ that you should be joined to another, even to him who was raised from the dead, that we might bring forth fruit unto God. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Romans 3.28, that's the gospel. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up in slavery to the law. So notice that slavery to the law could be on either side. Again, it could be either legalism or lawlessness. That is our only response to the law is that Jesus Christ fulfilled it. And since we are in Christ, we have been set free through Him. So we ask about, you know, oftentimes with these messages of, you know, it's, it's all grace, it's all God. And then we think about, you know, well, what about cheap grace, Chris? Is there such a thing? And I want to challenge everybody today in saying, no, there is no such thing as cheap grace because grace was, that God gives is not cheap. God paid a heavy price for that grace to be given to us. It cost him a lot. See, the problem is not with God's grace. That's what the enemy wants us to think. He wants us to focus on, ah, the grace isn't working. See, the grace isn't doing good enough. You need more. You need something more than God's grace. But the reality is it's not grace. The problem is what about those that practice Christianity that have no fruit? that practice lawlessness. That's really what the real question is. And that question is directed to our heart. And we have to answer it. And we can only answer it through surrender. So what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. So you, so, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless, according to James. So the doing actually proves the believing. It's fruit. Fruit is grown, but wages are earned. So we don't focus on whether or don't focus on whether or not you have enough fruit, but simply fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And fruit will grow in the heart and we, we have because we have received his undeserved grace. So how do we keep from slavery to the law? By not trying to keep it to be saved and by not believing we can do whatever we want because we are. The reason we fight this way of salvation is 
simply because we lose control. We want control, but when we see we fail miserably, we either condemn ourselves, turn to lawlessness, or run from God. So we must surrender first to God's plan. And as I close, uh, I'm just going to cover some scriptures that are going to draw us into what I believe is the true heart of God for each one of us. See, Romans 7, I don't know if it ever confused anybody, but it really confused me, right? You read this set of scriptures and it says, for what am I doing? For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. See, what God revealed to me through this set of scriptures is not confusing at all. It's what you see about sin. How do you respond to sin? Do you hate it? Do you trust and concur with the law of God? That it's good? That it's not something you just want to get out of the way because you find that you can't keep it? No. Because Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not have, or not be master over you. For you were not under the law, but under grace. Grace produces fruit unto life. And there's only one place that we can find that kind of fruit, that kind of life, and that is in a direct relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about you and Him. It's about you and Him talking to one another and saying, God, I can't do this without you. I can't be this person. I give up. I surrender my ways. I surrender either trying to follow every little thing of the law or I surrender just doing whatever I want and hoping one day that I make it. God wants you to be sure. How can you be sure? God gives you the Holy Spirit. When you, he, when you ask for the Holy Spirit, He will give it to you. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, He will give you the conviction. He will also give you the freedom. And that leads to my last slide. Because the true gospel will bring joy. It brings freedom and peace because God provides everything when we access Him by faith. And He directs our focus on Jesus Christ that generates a genuine response to honor, love, and serve Him. That's the right outcome. There is nothing like the love of God. Are you unsettled in your heart? Is there things in this life that you're just like, I don't like it. I don't like me. I don't like what God is revealing to me about myself. Then you're at the right place. Because that's where you end, and that's where Jesus takes over. That's where Jesus truly sets us free, and we, we have that ability to walk in a, in a newness of life. So I just want to close with this. 
When we receive Christ, this is our destiny. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. That's our response. For loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Church, listen to that. His commandments are not burdensome. Why? Because He said He would carry our burden. He said He would carry our burden. He has truly set us free. And this is what God has testified, and this is our own Scripture for this body. For He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. So whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Again, it's the truth that sets you free. It's only lies that keep us bound. It is our faith and our confession that lead to salvation and to our sanctification. It's God's work in us. And this is what makes God good because He forgives our sin and He gives us righteousness as a gift. So again, as I close, the church is marked by the true gospel that brings true life. So therefore, there is victory for you. You don't have to live a defeated life because ultimately we end up living that defeated life in front of others. There is hope for us to believe in the real gospel that Jesus saves. It works. It's all Him. And yes, we come just as we are, and we are ultimately changed by His grace. It takes time, and that's understandable. But God wants you set free from the burden of trying to follow the law or running from it. That is not God's desire for any of us. He wants you to know that Jesus Christ Himself fulfilled the law, and we have been set free to follow Him personally. And He will be a law in your own heart. He will guide you. He will speak to you. And He will show you. But the biggest thing I think that will help us in being comforted in what God does in our heart is that if you are following Him and He is speaking to you and you are trying to do what is pleasing to Him, you will do well. Father, we come before you right now, Lord God, and we just lift up to you this message today. I pray that each heart was blessed. But I also want to address and give the opportunity for any of those here today who maybe in the past they've believed in a false gospel. And that today their heart is burning within them and they really want to be able to walk in this newness of freedom, of life that has been presented to them today. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, 
If that's you, just go ahead and slip up your hand and we will pray together today. For it is for freedom that we have been set free. give a couple more minutes. If anybody in the house would like to pray the prayer of salvation this morning, just go ahead and lift your hand. Amen. Father, if there's any in this house also that maybe they've been following the wrong way. Maybe they've been focused too much on their own works and their focusing too much on maybe the punishment that may be coming for them if they don't do the right thing. And if that's you, just go ahead and and raise up your hand, and I do want to pray for you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? That there's freedom in the gospel. Father, we just come before you today, Lord, and we ask that you help us to continue to walk in the freedom that you've given to us. And I also pray for anybody in this house today that needs to be set free, Lord God, from the darkness, Lord, of being tormented or feeling burdened, Lord God, because of their flesh, because of their own sinful ways, Lord God to be set free into a new and living way, Father, that you and you alone provide everything for us. And that there is going to be evidence of righteousness in our heart that we search for because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit puts it in us. It's given to us as a gift. And it is through this gift, Father, that we ultimately walk in the joy and the freedom that you have called for each one of us to walk in. So, Father, bless this time today. Bless this body, Father. Bless the people in this house. And let them go forth, Lord God, and bear fruit. And bear fruit of joy in their heart. Bear fruit of righteousness in their life. And let them trust in you and you alone for those things. We pray this in Jesus' name.